Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another special bonus episode of the Mom Hour. In these episodes, Sarah and I take turns interviewing interesting people instead of talking to each other. So it's a little bit different than our usual Tuesday episode, but still a lot of fun. Um, If you've ever moved or if, like me, you've moved a lot, especially if you've moved with kids, um, you've probably struggled with how to really feel settled in a new place and make it your home. Today, my guest is Melody Warnick. She's author of the new book, This is Where You Belong, The Art and Science of Loving the Place You Live. And Melanie, Melody and I have a great conversation about how to really become um, attached and rooted in your community, whether you just moved there, whether you've lived there for a while, um, maybe you're feeling a little bit ambivalent about the place you live, or have just decided you're ready to settle and, and love the community um, that you call home. It's a great interview, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Hey, Melody, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Megan. So I want to back up (laughs) to before, you know, the concept for this book came about, before you even had the idea. And just to let um, listeners know, I've known Melody, gosh, how long have we known each other online? Like 10 years? Right. You were actually the one who helped me get my first big break with a national magazine. I Um, did that? (laughs) <laughs> you did. I'm sure you didn't even know, but we were on the same website, Freelance Success, and you were talking about writing for parenting. And I was like, if I could write for parenting, my life would be complete and I would die happy. I remember so, feeling that same way before I wrote for parenting. Right, right. <laughs> um, and so I think I emailed you and asked for some advice and you gave me the name of your editor, Sarah Smith. Um and you told me like that you had pitched her 10 times and and finally she said yes. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do what Megan did. And it worked. And Sarah gave me my first assignment and and that started my career. So And I'm then your life was grateful. complete. And- yes. 
<laughs> that didn't happen for me either. I, I also had the same feeling, but, um, but it was a very nice, it was a very nice place to write for. And, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely a big, a, a, I don't know, stepping stone. So I'm glad that I had some part in that for you. Yes, Yay. you totally did. Um, well, great. Okay. So as we've known each other for all these years, we know that um, we've both moved a lot. Yes. You have yeah. moved how many times? So this is my sixth move um, in my fifth state. Um, okay. So not as many as some people, but it felt like but a lot for me, you know, I, having grown up in the same house in Southern California, never moved once. And then as an adult, it felt like every few years we were moving. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and those, and your moves were big moves. They were like, right. you know, from, and they, they were, you know, well, tell, tell uh, listeners where you moved those, where those different states were. Okay. So geographically diverse. Right. I went to college in Utah at BYU. My husband and I got married there. And when we graduated, we moved to Maryland. Um, and then we moved back to Utah for a couple of years. And then we moved to Iowa for grad school. And then we moved to Austin, Texas. And then we moved to Blacksburg, Virginia, which is where we are now. So they all had you know, they all had a good reason. There was, you know, a job or school, um, you know, mostly jobs, but they were all fairly epic moves across the country. Um, so uh, moving was something that was never very far from my thoughts. You know, why, why do we move so much? What makes people not want to move and want to actually stay in the place they are? Um, okay. So you grew up you know, you, you grew up in more settled, I suppose, you know, more rooted in a community, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. And definitely. then as an adult started kind of moving around. Yes. So did that feel natural for you? Like, did you get to a place and immediately start getting itchy feet? Or was it more that the circumstances kept you moving so that you had a hard time settling? Um, it was a little bit of both. I think I, I don't know that I expected when we started this process that we were going to move as much as we did. Um, but our first move was to um, Silver Spring, Maryland. My husband got a job on Capitol Hill working for a senator. And I think I went into it thinking, okay, we're here for the long haul. Um, and various things conspired to make us feel like, uh, this probably isn't the long-term place for us. You know, my husband's job required him to work super long hours. And uh, we were really far away from extended family. And I think I thought, well, moving back west where we're a little closer to family will solve a lot of these problems. You know, we had bought this fixer upper house. We were totally in over our heads. So part of it was just like, we just have to get out of this situation and moving will do that for us. Moving will solve these problems. Um, it's an idea that I talk about in the book, which is the sense of the geographic cure that a lot of us feel like if we move, we can just start over. We'll have a clean slate and everything in life will be better. You know, all the problems that have arisen, um, you know, the friendships that maybe aren't going so well or the problems with your house or, you know, projects that you've bailed on and you feel guilty about. You can just leave all that behind when you move. And there's something incredibly appealing about that. So I found that both my husband and I were doing that. You know, we'd, we'd settle in a place for a few years, feel like we were going to commit. And then when things weren't quite working out the way we wanted to, we'd just be like, okay, it's time to move on. You know, let's, let's try someplace new. And we'd move again. 
and that place wouldn't be perfect. Or, you know, maybe we weren't making friends as fast as we wanted to, or, you know, the job wasn't great. So how did we solve it? We moved again. So that kind of was just our, our mode of living for a while that just, we just kept moving. So here you are in, um, in Virginia yeah. and you decide it's time for you to make an effort to make Blacksburg the one. Is that kind of what happened? Yeah. Well, I think what really started it was mom guilt because yeah. I had have two kids. At the time we moved, um, I my older daughter, Ella, was about to start fifth grade. My younger daughter, Ruby, was about to start kindergarten. And Ella in particular had sort of uh, been victimized by all these moves. She This would be her third elementary school in three states. She had you know started elementary school in Iowa and then did a couple of years in Austin. And now she was starting over again in Blacksburg. And I felt really terrible because it's, you know, it can be really hard for kids to feel settled in, in the place where they live. And I remember when we moved to Austin, you know, we felt like we were really uprooting Ella. She had some really good friends in Iowa and I was really anxious for her to start making friends in Austin. Um, and she went to school on that first day of third grade and she came home and I said, how did it go? You know, did, did everything go well? Did you talk to anyone? And she looked at me with this, you know, happy face and said, I almost made a friend like, <laughs> like that. Was, that was like peak that for her. <laughs> right. Like she yeah. was pretty satisfied with that. Like, you know, some kid sat next to her and talked like briefly and then moved on. And she was like, okay, that. That was standards were pretty low. (laughs) Um, but it's totally, you know, as a parent, you're just like sobbing into your pillow at night. Like, what have I done to my child? Um, so I really felt that I owed it to my kids to try and give them a little more stability, you know, as, as a child growing up, I, you know, I had friends move and I always felt really grateful that that wasn't me. You know, I was Mm. kind of a shy kid and I recognized that if my parents had decided to uproot us and move somewhere else, it would have been really difficult, I think, you know, just because I was such a loser (laughs) at making friends and I was always really thankful that I didn't have to. Um, My husband had a totally different story where his family moved every couple of years. Um, and people always say, were you an army brat or something? And he wasn't, it's just his dad, you know, for various reasons with jobs and things like that, they moved around and they were usually pretty long distance moves, you know, from Colorado to Utah, to Oklahoma, to new Orleans and things like that. Um, and, uh, it's, all the kids in the family, you know, they're all normal adults, but I think they, you know, look back on that kind of childhood as sort of a trial that their parents put them through. You know, my, my husband moved to a new school when he was starting ninth grade and it was just like the worst, you know, the worst time to move. And just when he was making friends, his parents moved him again at the start of 11th grade. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, totally hard. So I think I felt this obligation to try to not do that to my kids if I could help it. Um, Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. 
I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Yeah. I don't know. Do, do you feel like that when, when you move, like I am <sighs> my children up? <laughs> well, you know, I'm thinking about that. Like I moved twice as a kid um, and it was hard, but it wasn't like we, there was definitely, I was definitely rooted in the place. Like I have really solid memories of the place um, that I went to elementary school and that was like one complete package, right? I didn't move during elementary school. So that's like one whole chunk <laughs> that I can kind of right. hang on to. And then I moved twice, um, pretty rapid succession in eighth grade and then again in before 10th grade. And those were actually good moves for me. That There was just um, – I wasn't really loving the school that I was at in either case. And then the one I ended up in at the end was actually the best place I wound up. So actually in some ways I felt like for me that that was good, but I wouldn't have wanted to do it more than I did. Um it's interesting for my kids because we, I was just trying to do the mental math, uh, you know, 19 years ago, John and I got married. And in those 19 years, we've, I kind of have lost count, but I think we lived in like 10 cities. Oh, wow. But we haven't moved now in nine years. So all those moves were concentrated into the first like eight years of our kids' lives. Wow. Um, yeah. And at the time, you know, the time, it didn't really... 
I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of mixed on it because I can see the positives. I think it really brought us together. Like when you move to someplace together, it really brings your little family together because you have to all figure it out together. That's and there's true. not a lot of there's not a lot of distractions, right? You have to kind of like buckle down and figure this new place out and you don't have any friends. It's like everyone's kind of in it together. But I will say now looking back over the nine years, so Clara has never lived any place but St. Joseph, Michigan, which is where mm-hmm. we live. Um Owen and William have never gone to school anyplace else. And it's different for them. They've had the same friends since kindergarten. They've, you know, there's a sense of comfort in our town that they have like ownership of it that I don't feel like the other kids ever got to have of any of the other towns. So I can, you know, now that we've stayed put, and I will also say staying put this time because it is my, was my tendency to move. Um, Staying put this time around was really a product of laziness. (laughs) And... Like just, I finally got to the place where I was like, I don't think I can move with five kids. Like I just, right. I don't think I can do it. Um, I, I don't, I used to get really excited about the idea of moving. It was like, oh, what about this new place I've never been and or I've never lived in and I could discover it and it's going to be better. Like it's going to be better yes. than the place we're in now. And I think I just got tired. And I also think that after being in that many cities, I realized like, there are great things about every place and there are not so great about things about every place. And you usually don't discover the not so great stuff till you've lived there a while. So there's always that sort of sense of disillusionment, you know, it's like, it's going to come no matter where you go. Um, that fantasy of the perfect place doesn't really exist. Right. That's absolutely true. And, and I think the more you move, the more you realize how true that is that, that, you know, there is no perfect place and it takes a while to feel like, this is home, you know, this is, this is where I want to be. And so I think that's where I was when we moved to Blacksburg, like coming here with super high hopes. I'd done all this research, you know, beforehand, Googled the crap out of it and really thought, well, this is going to be amazing. You know, it's a smaller town. We're going to know everyone. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to start over. We're going to get involved with everything. You know, we're just going to be better people when we move to Blacksburg And then moving here and realizing right away that there were things about it that weren't so great, you know, like it rained a lot and the library was smaller than our old library. Just dumb things, but things that, you know, made me feel like, oh, (laughs) right, this this wasn't what I thought. And and so, you know, in that moment of disillusionment, you have – two choices. You can either start plotting your next move and say, okay, we made a bad decision and we're going to move on. Or you can say, I need to figure out how to make it work here. And I think if, you know, if I hadn't moved so much, I I think like you, I had just gotten to the point where I was just sick of moving. You know, it, it takes a, a huge toll. It's so stressful and it's exhausting. And I just wanted to not have to do that again for a little while. Um, and then, you know, having this sense that I needed to s- stay someplace so my kids wouldn't need many years of therapy as adults. So, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So here you are. You're you're you've decided it's time to settle in and root yourself somewhere. Um, and your book kind of makes the argument that there are things. It's not about you know, it's not just about the place being the place for you. It's all about the things, also about the things that you can do to create, is it called place attachment? Is that the term that you yeah, use? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, place attachment is 
this term, I didn't make it up. It was um, in the scientific literature about this. Sociologists use it and environmental psychologists and people who want to describe that feeling uh, that people have of being at home in a place, of being um, in kind of in love with it or wanting to stay there. Um, and I wanted to know how that developed. Um, you know, what makes people feel that way in their town? What makes them want to stay? Um, and luckily there were, there was a lot of advice, um, in, you know, the research that I was reading that showed, um, if not causation, then at least in my mind, correlation between certain behaviors and the development of this feeling of place attachment. It it kind of came to me as this idea of if you want to love your town, you should act like people who love their town act. Um, so, for instance, there's a lot of research about um, people who develop good social relationships with their neighbors tend to be happier where they live. Um, so that became one of my focuses, trying to get to know my neighbors a little better. People who volunteer feel better about their towns. Um, people who, you know, eat local food um, and things like that. But like you said, there's also an element of when you love your town, you do what's good for it. So the things that I was interested in were things that would make me feel better about my town, but also things that would help my town, that would make my town do better. So one of those things is buying local. There's a lot of research that shows that when we shop at local independent stores, as opposed to, you know, Target and Amazon and Best Buy, that far more money continues to circulate in the local economy. Um, and, you know, that's good for everyone who lives in the community. It's good for local government who can use some of those tax dollars to, you know, build parks and pave roads and things like that. Um, so I was terrible about this. I'm, you know, I have always been a huge Target and Amazon fan. You know, when I move to a new town, what do I do? I stake out where the local Target is and I go there <laughs> and, you know, that is how I, you know, buy all the crap that I need for my house. Well, uh, and it's also comfortable. You know, when you've moved a lot, a place like Target is that recognizable beacon that makes you feel rooted, even though it's totally generic. Well, totally. Know? And I mean, that's kind of like one of the reasons for this rise in chain stores and chain restaurants is because we are kind of a mobile people as Americans. We're restless and we move around a lot. We also travel a lot. And when you go to a town that's completely unfamiliar, but you see that one thing like the Home Depot or whatever, yeah. or Applebee's that you're like, I know that place. Like I'm I in my go. neighborhood. Right. <laughs> that, that's Applebee's. Right. Uh, think, Welcome yeah. to the neighborhood or something like that. And <laughs> it looks go, just like the neighborhood 100 right. miles away. I found yeah. my home. You can go in and everything's exactly the same. Target is 100% like that. You you go go to one target and you pretty much know what yeah. the target in the other town is going to look like. And so you're right. That is a total comfort thing when you're new in a place that so you can walk into target, you know how to navigate it more or less, you know what kinds of things you're going to find and how much they're going to cost. And, and that's really comforting. And so I'm not totally advocating that people abandon target. No, we would never do that. The thing is, you can make a big difference 
by buying a few things locally. It doesn't mean changing your life entirely. So for me, I made a commitment that when we bought birthday presents for, you know, birthday parties that my kids were invited to, we would buy them from the toy store on the corner instead of Amazon or Target. So it's just kind of this one thing that we have committed to do. And probably over the course of a year, that's maybe $100. Um, But it's something we do to support this local business that is a great asset in the town. You know, I don't want that business to go away. And so I have to make a point of shopping there. That's so So, funny because we have the same household policy. (laughs) Really? I mean, first of all, it's actually also just a lot easier to shop at the local store. I mean, I just as far as, I mean, where we live, um, we're a little closer to downtown than we are to Target. It's easier to get in and out and they do the gift wrapping. Yes. The gift wrapping is so big. <laughs> and honestly, that is that. valuable. I mean, if you think about it, if every time you go to buy your kids, um, birth, you know, friend who just invited them to this birthday party, you forgot all about a gift at Target and you, maybe you spend five bucks less, but then you have to go buy a gift bag and it's four bucks and then some tissue paper you know the the which the part that you don't use you'll never find again right you know it's it's <laughs> it's got a lot of value to it so i told that's that's our approach too yeah so it's like you know you don't have to do it for everything and there are some things you probably can't find in your town but i i advocate being thoughtful about it thinking about what's available to me locally maybe it's you know framing or developing film or getting my vacuum fixed or whatever it is just take a second to think about where can I do this in my town in a way that supports local businesses and helps the community as a whole. So I feel like I read something in your book about there being some research that you actually don't have to spend a lot to make a difference. Like that if everybody in a town spent X amount per year, that would keep businesses afloat. Am I remember this correctly? Right. There was a study in Salt Lake that found um, if people spent just 10% more of their budget on local businesses, that the local economy would have something like $100 million more. And that will vary from community to community. But they're not saying add on to your budget. They're just saying shift some of your budget to local businesses. A good rule of thumb that I've seen is something called the 350 plan. And the idea is you spend $50 a month at three local businesses. Mm. And that's, you know, that's doable, especially when you include restaurants. So instead of shopping at a chain, you just shift a little of your spending to local independent businesses. And the more you do that and get to know the people who run them and see some of those benefits like gift wrapping that you don't get at the chains, the more, the easier it becomes, the more you want to do that. Um, Another thing is, you know, that doesn't just apply to businesses, but like, here's a great example of something um, that I didn't do when we first moved to this town for, uh, gosh, the first like six years. I'm a huge live theater fan. And I would wait until I was like in New York City and go see a Broadway show or in Chicago and go see a show there. And I never went to our local theater. And we have like a community, a small community theater that I'm now very involved with. But this was before that. But we also have, just in the next little city over, um, a, a main stage where touring shows come through. And I never went there. It's not even like I didn't want to. It was just that when I wasn't in that mode because I wasn't traveling or, you know, I never really thought about it and I never bought the tickets. Right. And if you it's- don't support that stuff, it goes away. 
Yeah, it's kind of like that staycation concept that, you know, when we're on vacation, we tend to spend money on things like, you know, museums and water parks and restaurants. But we don't necessarily do that in our hometown. And we let these things just go by. We had lived here for several years. And when I started working on the book research, one of the things that came up is you need to do fun things in your town. Like it's an, it's actually important to feel like your town has stuff for you to do. And, you know, depending on where you live, if you live in a big city, that's a no brainer. But if you live in a smaller town like I do and like you do, it can take some doing yeah. <laughs> to think of, you know, what is my town great at? Um, what can we do for fun in the middle of winter? Um, and there is a historic plantation that is in my town called Smithfield Plantation, you know, one of the early settlements in Blacksburg. And I'd never gone there just because I thought, ugh, field trip, you know, <laughs> like, right. this is the place you have to go when you're in fourth grade. But, you know, they're not going to get me there. But when I started kind of forcing myself to do the things that were available in my town. That's one of the things I did. I went to Smithville Plantation with my family and it was super interesting. So it wasn't necessarily something that I would have, you know, chosen to do, but I did it because it's in my town and I want these things to survive. Yes. You know, and I think it's the same with any entertainment offerings, local theater or music or dance or anything like that. Sometimes, you know, we get to the weekend and we just want to like sit around and we don't want to do anything. But, you know, to some extent, make your town worth living in are the things that you have to support, you know, right? Exactly. You have to, you know, make an effort to buy the season tickets if you can afford them. And if you can't go to a show once in a while, get a babysitter or take your kids and Um, it's rewarding for you to remember, oh, there's awesome stuff like this where I live. Now, Melody, tell me if you have also been guilty of this. And this is something for me, I've always thought of myself as fairly nomadic because I did have a fairly nomadic upbringing, even though it was later, you know, later in my teen years. Um, But I am the kind of person I go to a town and I fall in love with it. Every town I go to, I'm like, it doesn't really matter. (laughs) I tell you, it doesn't even matter how bad the town is. I use that it's terrible to call any, you know, community bad, but like I'll go to a place that really isn't for me, but I can always find something I love about it. And I'm always thinking, oh, what if I lived here? What would, and then I fantasize, what would my life look like? And would I be, even if the town is like a one, you know, stop sign town, I think, well, maybe I'd be like the farmer person. And you know, there's like, there's that fantasy element, but then you get into an actual town that has all this potential and you don't take advantage of it. So what, what is going on there? Right. I think what is so captivating about seeing other towns and for me, seeing real estate listings, I'm obsessed with online real estate listings because there's something really um, interesting about clicking through someone else's house online and, you know, imagining yourself in in that that life. Yeah, I know. Right. What would it be like in that space and in that community and everything would be different? Yes. Um, You know, that is kind of the the lure of moving around that we can start over we will sort of put on a new life in a way um you know change everything really dramatically but somehow when we actually are in the place whether it's new or whether you've lived there for a while inertia takes over mm-hmm. and simply 
life gets in the way. Right. The dailiness of life that you're, you know, you're taking your kids to school and you're carpooling and you're doing Taekwondo lessons and stuff like that. And things like thinking about your community and how to be a part of it and showing up for the farmer's market or the Friday night drum circle or whatever. These things take a backseat to bedtime and homework and stuff like that. And, you know, that some of that is inevitable that that's going to happen. But I found that for me, when I started looking at my community and my town as something that could offer me, you know, a better life, a more interesting life, and also something that I could give back to, it made my life richer. Um, it, It felt like less like this is just the place I ended up and I, you know, I don't really know how and we're just kind of biding our time here and more like I'm really in love with this place. You know, I want to know what's going on. I want to be part of things. And that's um, really exciting when you can get to that point. It's kind of like anything else. The more you put into something, the more you get out of it. So yeah, that's a relationship or your hometown. Yeah, absolutely. And I've noticed that for me, as I've made these efforts, some of them small and some of them larger, they always have some sort of payoff. I write in the book about trying to organize a placemaking project. And, you know, placemaking is this idea that um, ordinary citizens can do things to make their towns more interesting, more livable. And I was, you know, had done research about this and was really captivated by it. And one day, my daughter, who I think was you know 12 at the time, was reminiscing about the sidewalk chalk festival that we had gone to in a town in Texas and saying, you know, I wish Blacksburg had something like that. I'm like, that's it. We are going to do the sidewalk chalk festival. <laughs> we are going to organize this from scratch and it's going to be amazing. And, you know, most of the time we have ideas like that and we're kind of like, uh, that's a good idea. Someone should do that. And we don't act on it. But I was really motivated by all that I had learned about placemaking. And I'm like, we're going to do it. And um, so we, you know, got in touch with people in the community who could help us, started having meetings with people. And um, it was underway. Like, this was going to happen. It was real. And I think the realness of it, (laughs) the fact that I had committed to organizing this big event, all of a sudden became super overwhelming, and I kind of panicked. It was like I, you know, all I could think of when I'd lie in bed at night was all the things that could go wrong with this. No one's going to show up. It's going to be too hot. It's going to rain. Um, and and so I sort of just backed out. Not entirely, but I just spooled it back a lot and said, okay, you know, we're not going to do this big thing with professional artists. We're just going to like throw some chalk on the ground and kids can draw with it and um, it will be okay. Um, And that's what we did. Um, There was an art festival that was already set up in town and we just kind of had a booth there that kids could come and do sidewalk chalk. And it was fine. But at the time I felt kind of really disappointed in myself. Like this is not what I had set out to do. I wanted to organize something amazing and this wasn't really amazing. But I kind of realized um, over time that even though this wasn't um, my ideal, I had gotten a lot of wonderful things out of it. I had met people that I wouldn't meet otherwise. And I felt like 
for just a small moment, for just one afternoon, I was part of making things happen in Blacksburg, in my town. And there's something really beautiful about that. So, you know, I think it does take engagement and getting involved and that takes time. And especially when you have a family and you have children, that can be difficult. And I completely understand how people listening to this might be like, uh, that is a pipe dream. I, <laughs> you know, like I'm struggling yeah. to buy the groceries and we don't have time to do anything above and beyond, but, you know, simply finding small ways to appreciate what your community has to offer, to volunteer when you can, to meet people, those things pay off in quality of life and in the attachment we feel to our town and to our community and the sense of belonging we feel. And those are really valuable. I agree. And, you know, you don't, you know, that was one year, but you really don't know what the ripple effects could be, how that might have inspired someone else. You know, it doesn't always, I think one of the things I've really noticed about, um, and and this ties into a few themes in your book, and I'm just going to talk about myself for a few minutes because I can't help it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, I've, I've lived in a lot of towns. I've lived in big cities. I've lived in small towns. I've lived in medium sized towns, but usually either for some reason, big cities or small towns. I'm not sure why. Um, And there's been a lot of times, especially in small towns where I've thought, or even neighborhoods within big cities, because I was never living in the the most posh neighborhood. I was never living in the neighborhood that was already what I wanted. I had to live in the one that wasn't there yet, right? So it was just a little boring in whatever way. And I would always think if only this neighborhood or this town had X, then I would really feel like it was my place. But because I hadn't done the things that you also talk about in the book, which is to really get to know people and really invest yourself, I never had the opportunity to make those things happen. So I would think to myself, for example, like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I could be part of starting a live theater or something like that, or like a venue, some kind of thing, you know, bigger than myself that's that ties in with all of my interests. Um, but I didn't even have a place to start because we don't have a huge budget for that. I don't have millions of dollars lying around to invest. So I would just think, well, that's it. I can't do it. But what I'm finding now is that it's not necessarily about you. It's about the people you know and like the little spark you can light up, right? So it's, you know, now all of a sudden because – and it's funny because the first like six years we lived in this town, I was like the phantom mom. Like no one – people had heard of me. I always joke about this. Like (laughs) it it was rumored that I existed, but no one ever saw me. I would be like the one – I did not want to deal with people. I And it's funny because I'm an extrovert. But I only really wanted to be extroverted at that time around my people, which was this small circle of people that I had pre-selected, right? And my family, which is big. I have a big family. And that was enough for me at that. It was kind of like I needed simplicity. But just in the last couple of years, I've really started branching out. And I'm seeing all of a sudden all these opportunities are coming to me that I would never be able to just do on my own. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. 
The Bionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Bionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. But it's right. like that little seed gets planted and people get to know you for being that person. So maybe you didn't do this amazing, you know, chalk festival, but maybe someone said, oh, well, we know Melody. She hosted that booth and you know, now we're going to be the ones who are going to take this and run with it, but we want Melody involved or there's going to be some, you know, the, I guess what I'm saying is even the small things count and getting to know people is what makes that stuff spread. Right. And without that, that connection, it doesn't happen. That's actually exactly what happened. I did that little sidewalk chalk festival one year and, you know, it was sort of underwhelming. And then just a few weeks ago, the same art festival event happened and, a new group of people came and did sidewalk chalk again. And I wasn't even a part of it. You know, it was some of yeah. the same people who had done it the first year, but they just took it and ran with it. And yeah. that was totally okay. I think you're absolutely right that the more people we know, the more networked we are in our town and connected, the more opportunities come to us, all kinds of opportunities. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn because I'm a huge introvert and I find it, I just find it a little hard to get to know people that well. So I have mm. a lot of acquaintances and like not quite as many really good friends. Um, but so when we first moved here and I first started thinking about placemaking, I wanted to do this project that I had heard about that was from Raleigh called Walk Your City. A guy named Matt Tomasulo had um, decided that he wanted people to feel more motivated to walk in downtown Raleigh. And so he made these signs just like on his laptop and had them printed um, that would say, you know, it's only a five minute walk to the NC State Bell Tower or it's a 10 minute walk to a great Thai restaurant or something like that. And the idea was people would read the signs and they would think of walking in terms less of distance than of time. It would feel more doable. Um, and he just sort of 
did this like a ninja in the middle of the night, you know, didn't have any permission, just went with a few friends and put up these signs uh, around downtown. And it became this thing, um, Walk Your City. And there's a website, Walk Your City, I think it's .org, where anyone can go and make these signs for their town and put them up. So I decided to do that for Blacksburg. And Matt, the guy who invented Walk Your City, said, you know, it's really smart to get some town buy-in on this, you know, like talk to some of the people on the city council or, you know, town manager, let them know what you're doing. And at the time, I didn't know any of those people. And it made me incredibly shy to think about trying to get permission for this. Um, and so I just thought, no, I'm just doing it by myself. And I did basically, I had a friend help me go around, like zip tie these things to, um, post downtown and the signs went up and, and then a few months later they had kind of disintegrated. And, um, you know, I, I never really got like feedback on it. It just sort of felt like this weird, you know, ripple in the pond that just went away. Um, and, you know, looking back on it, I think that could have been a lot more effective if I had actually involved other people and gotten some help with it. So I think, you know, it is intimidating sometimes, but the more you reach out and, you know, work with friends of friends and things like that, yeah. the more you can actually accomplish. You know, one thing that is occurring to me when you're talking about this, and I have found Especially in, I mean, because I'm assuming anybody who's interested in your book or in in this topic is not living in utopia. <laughs> right. They're living in a place that they are struggling to um, accept or embrace or really, you know, dig into. And there could be lots of reasons for that. Um, but so assuming you're not living in the perfect city for you, because if you are, then you're probably just out enjoying yourself right now and you're not listening to this show. <laughs> Assuming that, it's a lot easier than you might think to get to gain traction on stuff. Because if you're the kind of person who cares a lot about making the place where you live the pla the right place for you, or even just finding the right place for you, you're already the person people want. Like, you're that person. The, the unfortunate part is then you might end up being that person who ends up, like, taking on a million volunteers. You right. know what I mean? Like, you're the like thankless jobs. Yeah. Exactly. And if you don't want to do that, that may, you know, but... I guess what I'm saying is I think there's a lot more opportunity than people even know is out there. And it's easier to break in than people might might believe. Right. I, I totally agree with that. Um, just a few weeks ago in my town, one of these friends that I've come to know here in Blacksburg, you know, she's the mom of one of my daughter's friends, that kind of thing. Um, included me on a Facebook post about a new group that was starting to try and bring a refugee family to Blacksburg. Um, and I was really excited about it and went to the meeting that they had at the library to talk about this. And the organizers were completely overwhelmed by the response. I think they thought like five people would show up and it turned out to be a hundred. You know, we were spilling out of this room in the library and the thing that has been interesting about connecting with the organizers a little bit is like, these are not people who are experts in this. They've never done it yeah. before. It was just kind of like they had a good idea and they were willing to act on it. And and they gathered a group to help them. So it wasn't just one person going it alone. It was a few people who all had the same interest 
and they send the word out to their friends and their friends spread the word. And pretty soon, like this thing is happening. And it's really awesome to see that kind of change happen in a town. I know that your book um, delves into other things like getting, you know, more political. I'm, I'm assuming you mean local politics. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot of studies. Like county drain commissioner. Every time I pass like an election sign for that, I'm thinking, what does the county drain commissioner do? I, don't I even did not know. know that was a thing. It is a th- Around here it is a thing. Apparently in Michigan it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, that's one of those things that a lot of us – tell ourselves, oh gosh, I would never in a million years do that. Um, There's a lot of studies that link how involved we are with things like, you know, voting and writing to our local elected officials with how place attached we feel, you know, how much we feel like we're at home in a place. And so I'd love to see more young young mothers um, and people with young children running for local office, but it doesn't have to be that extreme. Even yeah. stuff like, you know, showing up once in a while for a city council. Yeah, meeting. It's a city council. And there's often lots of like um, committees that you can be part of that right. don't take a lot of time. When I lived in Iowa, I saw an ad in the newspaper for um, a board opening on the local library board. And, you know, I'd never done anything like that, but I'm like, I like libraries. <laughs> Maybe I can do that. And, you know, filled out the application. And sure enough, I got on the board and it was demanding. And these were years when I did have little kids. You know, my daughter was not even three when I started that. Um, but it was also incredibly rewarding to feel like you've kind of peeled back the curtain on your yeah. town. Yes, you know, like yes. on the way things run, you sort of see who's in charge and you have a voice in that process. And, it's it's a heady feeling. You feel really powerful. Like, you know, some of the people in charge, you can make things happen. Um, and I, you know, I wish more people took that opportunity to do that. I, and another thing I think that is really nice for me as someone who um, I've talked a lot about, and Sarah and I both have talked a lot on this show about how we are the ultimate mediators, the people who ride the middle, the people who don't, you know, <clears throat> don't want to take an extreme stance right. on anything. <laughs> and the nice thing about local politics is it's blessedly removed, uh, usually, from national politics. Yes. Like it, it is not party line heated. stuff. Right. Sure. But it gets heated like in a small room. With people you know, right? With people you really know. So it's not like going on Facebook and seeing, you know, the latest um, national convention coverage or whatever where it gets very ugly. It's not that. It's like you don't have to align yourself with a party. You're aligning yourself with, you know, whatever it is, like whatever. And and some of them are party-based, but a lot aren't. Right. In my town, city council people don't run with any sort of party affiliation at all. So which is kind of cool. It's a relief sort of to know that you can just run as a human being who cares about certain issues. And the truth is, you know, small town or, you know, medium sized city issues can get heated, but they tend to be things that are a little more comprehensible. You can understand how they affect your life. And it's funny because I feel like local political decisions have so much more of an immediate impact yes, on your you can life. Feel than, it. Yes. You're right than the national ones. And, and also yet- it feels more real. Because right. I kind of feel like no matter who we elect in, you know, it, it all matters, but does it really matter? I mean, there's this whole right. machine we don't understand. It's so removed. We don't live there. It's 
It's exactly. like a very, like, it's a machine I don't understand. And if it's local, you can see it. You can, like you said, peek behind the curtain. Right. Like national politics is always at a remove. And so it's easy to like look at national politicians and be like, I hate your guts. <laughs> You're right. the worst. Um, <laughs> local politicians tend to be people that you know, people who are willing to like meet you for coffee. Yeah. I went to a city council meeting and the big issue was backyard chickens. And so, you know, whether we're going to allow backyard chickens in our town and there were like 20 people there with signs dressed up as chickens and <laughs> Like that's the kind of politics I can get behind, you yeah, know, chicken absolutely. Exactly. It's a, it's an understandable issue. It yes. affects you. It affects your family. And if you don't come down on one side or the other, you're not going to like alienate. You know what I mean? You'll alienate people locally, maybe a small faction, but it's not going to be like you're taking the stand on this big national issue. I, I feel if simply, I think for people who are feeling very, awkward about politics right now or uncomfortable about that I think local politics could be like the antidote for that right I 100% agree that you know national politics is it gets ugly fast I think local politics are a little more um a little bit more warm and fuzzy definitely people disagree and you know get upset and stuff like that but at the end of the day you can remember that these are humans these are your neighbors and you would have to see them at the store yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, y- you know, you can feel like they are doing their best job for your town. Yeah. And yeah, it feels so good. Mel- Melody, I want it before we wrap up. And I know there's so much more great content in your book. And I really encourage people to buy This Is Where You Belong. And we will have a um, link to that in the show notes for this episode. But I, I want to talk um, to the people who are in a town and they're not sure if they're staying and this is a this is an issue that I've had many times where for whatever reason, not because I don't even maybe sometimes I love the place. I just I'm not sure we're gonna be there forever because maybe my husband will get a job someplace else or you know, for whatever reason we might leave. And there's that seesaw between investing or just holding up and waiting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It, and I know you've been through this because you talk about it in the book. Yeah. Um I completely understand that desire to just hole up and wait it out, especially when you're a community that um, maybe you're struggling with for a reason. Maybe you've lived there for a little bit and it doesn't feel like home and you think the best solution is just cut our losses and move away and try this again somewhere else. And I'm not at all against moving. Sometimes moving is the best solution for certain kinds of problems. Um, But At the same time, I encourage people to embrace where they live for as long as they're there. We had friends when we were in grad school in Iowa who moved there and knew from the start that they were only going to be there for a year or less. You know, one of them had a sabbatical at the university and it was this really temporary situation. But for the time that they were there, they just threw themselves into activities and volunteering and friendships. And by the time they left, they were part of the community. People, you know, miss them. They had made a million friends. And I always admired that approach, you know, instead of just saying, well, it's just a year. Why should I bother? I'm just going to up my cable subscription and, (laughs) you know, hang out on the couch. And they it's especially just, easy when you have little kids to do that, by the right, way. Right, exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but you know, the opposite approach is to make this a year where you make positive experiences with your family and with your children. And, you know, depending on your personality, that may not mean amassing a huge collection of friends, but it may mean meeting a few people that your kids can play with and that you can have conversations with, or may mean finding your favorite spot where you always go every Saturday to have French toast or, you know, finding the park that your kids love to play at. Like, even if you're only there for a month, I think you can explore a community and fall in love with it. You know, like we were talking about going on vacation and imagining yourself living in a place. Well, this is sort of your chance. Like, even if it's not a long haul move, even if you know that it's a short term thing, you get to live that life for a little while. And, you know, why not live it up as much as you can? And a month counts, six months count, a year counts. And you know, one thing that I guess I wish I had really thought more clearly about, because I would get very um, black or white about this when especially when my kids were young and I was like, where are we going to be? I always felt like I had to have this figured out, you know, like what is the place I'm going to commit to? I almost felt like it had to be a thing, like almost like a, uh, like a belief for me, you know, the place we, (laughs) does that make sense? Like the place we're going to be is going to be like our place and that's what we're going to get behind. And I think I missed some opportunities then not only for myself, because living in a place for three months, like you said, that's three months of your life. That's that counts. But also Three months of your child's very short life is could be huge. I remember yeah. things from being a kid that were very short, like summers. It's funny the summer, um, the town we live in now. Um, my dad and my mom divorced when I was young, and my dad remarried a woman who lived here. So they lived in this same town, like about a half block from where we actually live right now. Wow. And so I spent three summers, six weeks each summer. So I spent a total of eighteen weeks living in this town as a kid. And that made a huge impact on me. Like I have so many memories from the town that I now live in. And I was seven, eight, nine years old. It was like my seventh summer, my eighth and my ninth. So it's funny to look back and say, oh, that was such a, it was a blip. For an adult, that would be even more of a blip. But for me as a kid, it was huge. It was like a huge chunk of my life that I'll never forget. So we can't underestimate that. Right. Even those little moments can have a huge impact and form these really strong, vivid memories. And, you know, I think the important thing for kids, especially when you're mobile and you're moving to a new town and maybe don't know how long you're going to stay there, is to let your kids know that this is an adventure, you know, that we are just going to explore and find things here that make us happy. Um, You know, one thing that I've recommended is when you're moving to a new town, tell your kids that we're going to try every ice cream shop within a 20 mile (laughs) radius or, you know, every donut shop. And, um, you know, kids absorb from their parents uh, an attitude toward the community. So if you're seeing it as opportunity, as a chance to experience something new, if only temporarily, your kids probably will too. They'll pick up on that fact that this isn't something scary and overwhelming. It's something to be enjoyed and appreciated. Absolutely. Melody, this has been so great talking to you. This is I feel like this is a topic I could talk about for hours. Right, me too. <laughs> it's obviously something. I think there's a reason we connected on this this issue. And when you're when you told me that you had this book deal, I was really excited because I feel like this is a book, you know, I wanted to see in the bookstore. So 
Um, the book is This Is Where You Belong, The Art and Science of Loving the Place You Live. Melody Warnick has been our guest. Um, where can the, can listeners find the book? I'm sure they can find it at their local bookstore, but is there a website that they can just go to? I have a website that is just my name, MelodyWarnick.com, and you can find links to places to buy the book, plus a book club guide, plus extra information. Well, book club. And links that would actually be a great thing, you know? Like, Right. This is club. a topic I've discovered that like people love to talk yes. about it because everyone has their own story of moving mm-hmm. around and falling in love with places. So um, yeah, I think it's perfect for a book club. Awesome. Okay. And we'll also put it in the show notes at themomhour.com. Um, you can just, you can just uh, search for Melody Warnick or this is where you belong. Or really, if you're, if you know, if you're listening, you know, when the show comes out, it'll be up on top. So, all right, Melody, thanks so much for being my guest. This was great. Thank and you so much forward. for having me, Megan. It was Absolutely. so fun. Absolutely. I hope your book is very successful. I think it will be because I think you're right. This is a topic people really you know they need it you know we, we, right. we're a mobile society so you know yes yeah okay thanks a lot Talk thank you Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.